0: Are you ready for some high adventure coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network? The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The Case of Murder in the Fiesta Lounge, Part 2. The name is Justice, Jack Justice. It is a common observation that things often go from bad to worse, and this is true. What it fails to allow for is the almost exponential nature of that change, and the fact that it is seldom, if ever, a single transition from point A, being bad, to point B, being worse. Our afternoon in the Fiesta Lounge was certainly no exception, as in the moments that immediately followed the plunge into darkness, we ran through points C to Z in such rapid succession that a lesser man might be inclined to finish his cocktail call at the co-check for his hat, and take the rest of the day off with pay. The first problem is that I was being paid to protect Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, and so far that had gone pretty badly in that he had just been murdered. There was really no way around that one. There wasn't going to be a performance bonus on this job. The only thing that was going to prevent every paper in town who were well represented within the assembled crowd From observing that at the time of the aforementioned murder in the Fiesta Lounge, I was, in fact, seated comfortably a short distance away enjoying a fresh cocktail, is if I immediately thrust myself into another, much more competent role in this gory little pageant. A daily newspaper is a simplistic storytelling venue, and two facts that appear to contradict one another are almost never allowed in the same article. So if you don't want the story to suggest that you are a boob, it had better be much more important to the rest of the story that you are nothing of the kind. Which is why, when the lights to the entire building snapped back on an instant later, I valiantly was on my feet, gun in hand, ready to heroically shoot it out in a brave and cinematic fashion with gunmen or gunmen unknown, to ensure that the corpse of my employer, Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, was not further murdered any more times than was completely necessary, if at all. This seemed like a reasonable thing to do at the time. Though I have to say that the loud noises, the muzzle flashes, and the sudden appearance of a large, awkwardly tuxedoed man brandishing a .45 did not soothe the jangled nerves of the assembly quite as much as I had hoped. There was, in point of fact, some screaming. A lot of screaming, if I'm telling the truth. There was very little running away, though, which I put down to both a deeply suppressed fight-or-flight reflex in the privileged classes, and the fact they were confused by the fact that in my left hand I was further brandishing a bourbon and water which I had neglected to put down on the bar in the darkness, probably in subconscious fear that I might spill it. Waste not, want not. However, this adage did not seem likely to comfort that crowd at the Fiesta Lounge, and given the choice of putting the gun of the glass in my mouth, I chose to finish my drink, if for no other reason than to have a free hand and an intact brainstem for whatever followed. Still seated at the bar, I could see the much less proactive form of the girl detective reach into her purse, "'to put her delicate paw upon the concealed Beretta. "'One might have thought she was prepared to defend me "'should one of our citizens misunderstand the situation, "'but in my heart I knew that she was preparing to shoot me dead "'and beat a hasty retreat, "'which was always her in-case-of-emergency fallback plan. "'She had actually only tried it a couple of times, "'so I wasn't that worried. "'Our former client, Michael Patrick Mulligan-O'Day, "'notorious scumbag and almost-candidate for mayor, "'was on the floor at the base of the stairs,' With the plump, bespeckled man who looked awfully familiar crouched over him. He's dead, the man said without emotion. Help me move him. Nobody moves him, I said seriously. And who are you, the little man said, quivering with indignation? Justice, I said, indicating the pocket from which I would have produced my badge if I had put my empty glass down yet. Detective, private, who are you? I am Dr. Harold MacDougall of the Medical Examiner's Office, sir, he said with all the gravity he could muster, and I am in charge of this investigation. You make a heck of a house call, Doc, I said. Are you Johnny on the spot for a lot of murders? What are you suggesting? He sputtered. his face turning an alarming shade of crimson in an instant. Not suggesting a thing. Just pointing out that nobody moves the body and nobody leaves this room until Sabian and his boys get here. If he's cold, throw a coat over him. There was an audible hiss from the crowd at this inconvenience, but none of the assembled swells broke for the doors, which would have made it easier to tell who we should tackle. Who are you exactly? The mayor harumphed with a dignity he did not really possess. Jack Justice, sir, I said. We met last year when we did some work on a zoning issue on Mendel Street. Zoning issue? The business on Mendel had been a murder in a cat house, but his honor was too dim for discreet inference. "'I think Mayor Lyndon will remember me, Jack,' Trixie called without getting up from the bar. "'The mayor flushed in a manner that suggested he remembered her well, "'as well as the two teeth she had knocked out of his mouth. "'Miss Dixon,' he said like a huckster about to give a stump speech, "'how pleasant to see you!' "'The mayor did not have a chance to lie any further "'because another devoted public servant chose that moment to intercede. "'Yeah, can I just say something?' the bartender asked rhetorically. "'Can I just say that I'm pretty sure this lady shot O'Day?' he pointed to Trixie. "'She's been muttering she was going to for the last hour, and she has a gun in her purse.' "'Oh, Peach Pit,' Trixie sighed. "'You mix a fine cocktail, but it appears we are not going to be special friends after all, and that is so very sad for you. "'What you observed is the simple investigative technique of putting yourself in your opponent's place. "'You see, Mr. Justice and I were retained to protect Mr. O'Day at this event.' "'And how did that work out?' one of the three Mrs. O'Day's asked icily. "'I forget whether it was number one or number two. "'It was not Drinky Sue, the weepy one, "'who looked much less sad than she had a murder ago. "'Funny that.' "'Trixie was unfazed. "'Leaving aside for the moment that this is an interesting point,' she continued, "'my friend with the generous pour here makes a keen observation. "'There are probably a lot of guns in this room, "'and it would be best if they were all put on the bar right now.' She drew the Beretta and gestured with it as if she hadn't a care in the world or a safety on her pistol. You'll all get them back when Sabian and his boys are done here, I said in a loud and impressive tone that started the line shuffling forward to place their concealed weapons on the bar for consideration. Anybody who tries to keep their peace hidden deals with Sabian when they stand for a frisk. That got things moving a little faster. It was good to name-drop the right bull. Three minutes later, the bar was an arsenal of personal defense armaments. It was a pretty impressive haul. Men's hand cannons, delicate ladies' pistols, and lots and lots of gender-neutral in-betweens. God bless America. More than I expected, I said quietly to Trixie. It was the raccoon boys that put it over the top. They could have killed O'Dea a hundred times over. She was leaning over the bar again, but this time it was not in hopes of securing another cocktail. I could tell that she was trying to sniff out a winner for us, and I knew from experience that lines about bloodhounds or other dogs would be deeply unappreciated, so I kept quiet. Or at least focused my noise elsewhere. "'Dr. MacDougall, I called to the little man who was still hovering carefully over the corpse, which was by now covered in two coats and a tablecloth. "'In your professional opinion, what caliber bullet would you say killed Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day?' "'Impossible to say for certain without removing the bullet,' the M.E. said carefully, without looking down." "'though if I had to guess, I would say it was a a small to mid-caliber, "'somewhere from a twenty-two to possibly as large as a thirty-eight. "'That's quite a range,' I observed. "'The doctor had nothing to say to that. "'Mr. Justice, I renew my objection to keeping Mr. O'Day on the floor like this,' "'he said with a quaver in his voice. "'Surely there can be no harm in moving him into that small side room,' he gestured. "'I'm afraid not,' I said. "'You know I can't release the crime scene. "'Only a police detective can do that.' But surely the man or woman responsible for this crime of passion has already slipped away, the doctor protested. I don't think so, I shook my head, though we might have missed the partner. Partner? He blanched. At least one, I nodded. The lights all went off at the same second. That means someone was at the main switch, probably in the basement. This was not an impulsive act, sir. Jack, Trixie called as much as possible as if it were nothing important at all. "'I can't think what's keeping Sabian,' I said quietly as I approached the bar. "'There was a moment of terrible silence. "'We never called him, did we?' Trixie said lightly. "'That's going to be tough to do subtly,' I said, looking around at the increasingly bored and sober crowd, "'huddled around the now somber Fiesta Lounge, watching us like hawks. "'Do the best you can.' "'I hate you,' she said without looking or raising her voice. "'Also, this one has been fired.' She pointed to an ugly boxy little pistol that looked like a .34. Great, I said. Whose is it? There was another moment of silent realization, this one a hundred times worse than the first one. We are really bad at this, I said, nodding sagely in case everyone was looking, which they were. No joke, Trixie said, pretending to make notes in her little book. Sabian is going to eat our skin... "'I can't think why,' I said. "'We only helped the killer to completely obscure the possession of the murder weapon. "'As long as they used a pistol that can be traced to them legally, "'we have no problem at all!' "'My poor, silky, smooth skin,' she lamented. "'Maybe it's not that bad,' I offered, "'picking up the murder weapon by the barrel and holding it high over my head. "'Hey, whose gun is this?' I called, "'to a response of dozens of dumbfounded expressions and utter, utter silence. "'I nodded theatrically and put the pistol down. "'Good. That was a trick question.' You all answered perfectly, adding quietly, We're dead. And your fingerprints are on the gun now, Trixie offered helpfully. Yes, they are, I agreed. Are we terrible at this? The worst, she agreed, but this is not what we do. Well, it kind of is, I argued. Today it is. You know what I mean, she snapped quietly. Who hires two people to protect them at a public venue, then invites every person who hates them and is probably armed? "'A room full of people who are all suspects,' I moaned. "'Who are all going to need to be fingerprinted and dragged downtown.' "'Wait. We can't wait. We're up to our necks in this,' Trixie countered quietly. "'Everybody knows that O'Day had cops on his payroll,' I said. "'We know it. The papers know it. Sabian knows it. "'That's how he keeps getting away with burying mistresses.' "'So what?' "'So where are they?' "'Silence.' Maybe O'Day decided that launching his run for office surrounded by dirty cops was a bad look, Trixie offered. And what about that? I added. Running for mayor? That's too much like playing by the rules and getting ahead on fair play. Was that anything other than a way to have everyone he hates humiliated in front of reporters from every paper in town? Trixie arched her eyebrow like it was going to fly off and gouge my eyes out at her command. Are you suggesting that Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day planned this... His own murder? I admit it seems thin, I agreed, but the no-cops thing is not right. There's a medical examiner, she offered. I nodded. He's desperate to move the body into the side room. Maybe I should let him, since Sabian is going to butcher us anyway? That is the worst idea you've had in hours, Trixie said with a pitying shake of her head. Hey, have you called Sabian yet, I said, knowing the answer was no. "'I was dazzled by your grotesque incompetence,' she said with the warmest fake smile. "'The door to the small side room just off the bar of the Fiesta Lounge opened, "'and a man in a clean white coat entered. "'Hey, I'm supposed to collect the body,' he said. "'Nobody moves the body,' I insisted. "'Orders is orders, Mac,' the man sneered. "'The Emmy called it in.' "'I tried not to notice Dr. MacDougall crouched over the body, "'shaking his head slightly, but rapidly. "'No, he didn't,' I said. "'He hasn't left the body's side.' White Coat was unfazed. Then the cops called it in. What difference does it make? I try not to overplay my hand. White Coat was the only guy in the room that hadn't necessarily dropped his hardware. Truth is, buddy, I said, we haven't even called the cops yet. There was a general groan of protest from the crowd, which I ignored and continued, and I couldn't help but notice you came to the side door that opens up onto the little room the M.E. wanted to stow the body in. The man shrugged. So what? He countered cleverly. "'So this,' Trixie said, picking up the squat, ugly thirty-four "'and peppering the wall behind White Coat's head with gunfire. "'Except not really. "'There was plenty of sound and fury, but the wall remained solid. "'The fragile piece, however, was well and truly shattered, "'and it took a few minutes to calm things down again. "'Ah, shut up!' Trixie bellowed delicately. "'Don't you know blanks when you see them?' "'They don't,' I said, and neither did we. "'What are you saying?' "'the weepiest of the three Mrs. O'Day's asked, "'looking fragile all over again. "'The question, ma'am, as always, is who would benefit?' "'I said, trying to put on a smooth face for the reporters. "'Who would want to humiliate the mayor, "'cast suspicion on his rivals, "'embarrass his former employees, "'and put all three of his wives through the ringer one last time "'before disappearing in a hearse "'ahead of one or more convictions for homicide "'of one or more mistresses?' "'There's only one answer to that question, detective,' "'a different Mrs. O'Day replied.' "'but he's already dead.' "'Then I guess he won't mind this,' Trixie said, "'dropping the thirty-four on the bar "'and picking up one of the more pop-gun-like like 22s "'and leveling it in the direction of the corpse on the stairs.' "'She paused for just an instant. "'Was his head at the north or the south end?' "'She said, her words almost obscured "'by the collective gasp of the room. "'I don't remember,' I admitted. "'Trixie shrugged. "Eeny meeny miny moe,' she said "'and ripped a shot off toward the south end.' There was a small splatter of blood and an enraged roar from the corpse that suggested she had picked the legs after all. Probably for the best. The corpse kicked free of his covers and howled in pain, which was quickly overwhelmed by the indignant protest of the assembled swells. Well, what do you know, Trixie beamed, genuinely delighted. I got to shoot Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day right in the fiesta lounge after all. The Casebook of Justice and Dixon, Number Two: The Case of Murder in the Fiesta Lounge, was written by Greg Taylor, read by Andrea Lyons and Greg Taylor, and presented by Decoder Ring Theater. If you would like to help support the creation of new Justice and Dixon material, please visit patreoncom slash or look for the links in the show post. Thank you.